Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful humans. We got Dan. And we welcome to the studio Luke, Adam, Jed. Hello. Gethin. Mm-hmm. Oh, correct. Absolutely. It's the Struts. Whoa. Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for hanging out. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. This couch is beautiful. Oh, that means a lot. You wouldn't know that like before we put it in our studio, it was actually in the dumpster dumpster gang ready to be thrown really? out. Really? Yep. Yeah. Well, you got lucky. And well, you know, not only is it comfortable, but environmentally friendly as well. Yeah. <laughs> I recycle. And now some of the most expensive butts have sat on that couch. Mm-hmm. You all included. Thanks for uh, spending time. You, you. you were able to manifest energy there before we started. You did like a whole little scream thing. How do you get ready for a show because the way the world describes you and there's been many different things used but one thing that is pretty common is like force of nature like you leave everything you have on that stage how do you warm up how do you begin it uh i i guess it's well firstly i think the the outfits kind of really help okay funny enough it does you know a lot of people sort of say, you, you know, wh- wh- where does all this kind of come from? And um, the truth be told, style's always been like a, an important part of the show. But as we've kind of toured more extensively, it's also becoming like a like a thing to help you get into the zone. You know, you put on your, <laughs> your outfit and then, you know, the makeup's on. It's like, okay, ready. You know, I, 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 I would not like to think what I would be like you know, jumping on stage wearing what I wore all day, you know, on the tour bus, you know, because there'll be no sense of occasion. So a lot of hyping up, a lot of dancing around, screaming, stuff like that, you know. What do you do when you come off? How do you come down? Yeah, that's the difficult bit. Um, it's, I think, I, I, I personally, I sort of have a nice shower Okay. Cool off. Yeah, to get rid of the sweat. You know, warm down. I mean, that's really important. Um, warm down and then just get back on the bus, have a little something to eat and just lay back and sort of wait till 3 a.m. to fall asleep. You have to, right? Because you're <laughs> yeah. jazzed. Exactly. Are you processing what you just did when you're in that shower? Are you analyzing it or are you in a different space? Not really. Not really. I mean... If when the show goes well, which is you know, a lot of the time, um, it's very rare that we kind of like all look at each other and think, oh, that was a disaster. <laughs> but it's kind of like, like you said, you leave everything there. Um, so you come off, and it's just like great, great show, everyone, you know. And then, the, the, but to be honest, yeah, the shower is part of the ritual. Uh, I kind of lay back and just go, oh, I did my job. It's good. <laughs> Is there like, is there two sides of you? Is there like, because you talk about the cost, the the outfits and the style, bringing something out of you. Is it two different versions of yourself that you channel? Yeah, I I definitely say there is a character that I I slip into. Um, and, And that's become more apparent the more we've toured. You know, because like back in the early days, it'd be great. You know, we would just roll around in the van and then we'd turn up at the show. You know, I'd watch the guys lug in their gear, you know, and then um, I would order the drinks and then we'd sort of like sit around and, and chat and, and 
and drink and then listen to a couple of songs and then jump up on stage and that was it you know we wouldn't have another show for another three or four five days sometimes a week um but now we're doing it so often it's important to kind of like slip into a character and, and almost take on a role so that you can sustain a level of um energy and what you want to put on and what your audience expects as well you know because like you said i mean word gets around people expect something and i think it's important to deliver that i i understand that right because when you slip into the character you're leaving anything that is personal at the door Mm -hmm. and you're entering into something new right not new but like you're entering into a different side so anything that exists on the other side that's just that's on that side that stays there yeah and 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 personally i think that's what makes the best performers i mean it's it's easier said than done you know when you're really tired or you've you know you've had an argument with with your girlfriend or you've you've had some bad news it, those are the times that really test you and uh, you know it separates the boys from the men it's true so to speak i think the crowd respect that as well because they do the same thing they want to yeah. come to the show and let their hair down and put everything aside so um everyone in the room's doing it really they they come expecting something out of you guys but also something for themselves they mm-hmm. want something there's a goal for the night they're giving you a ticket price they're giving you time they're giving you energy mm. they want I, something i would say as well the audience has a huge part to play in it um we do a lot of meet and greets um where before the show like we say hello to like a bunch of people and we take pictures and stuff like that and sometimes when the day's been particularly long and you know those kind of rare occasions where you you really just can't get in the right headspace meeting your fans like face to face and they're so excited you're like okay you walk away from that going come on get over yourself like they're here to be like entertained they're so excited like this is important to them you know and it just reminds you like why you're here it's and why purpose. you're doing it yeah it's cool you had an interesting just past the two of you guys is where the the band starts with right it was these two these two i'm so sorry the two two. guys on the couch (laughs) so you your your musical interest at the very beginning was gospel uh, gospel music and it was michael jackson Mm -hmm. but you started dancing not singing you didn't sing until you were like 16 Mm -hmm. right correct you wanted to be a dancer yeah more than anything I, I wanted to, I, well, I wanted to dance and I wanted to learn ballet and I wanted to, my dream was to just get out of the house and, you know, arrive at this posh boarding school where I could sort of like live, eat and breathe, you know, my passion at the time and, um, you know, my parents probably for a good reason you just weren't comfortable of doing that um what do you think it was i just they just decided that you know they didn't want other people bringing up their children i get that you know and and looking back now i think it was the right thing to do and um you know i don't know if i could have been a ballerina either to be honest (laughs) but do you think you would have ever sang if you ended up going to that boarding school and focusing solely on dance honestly i don't know and i probably wouldn't have that's that's the honest truth who told you who said hey why don't you try singing it was something that always happened whether it was sort of like 
things that would happen in school, um, talent competitions that, you know, I'd be encouraged to kind of enter. I would sort of like take songs I love and, and sort of choreograph them or, or, you know, Michael Jackson, like imitation or whatever. And they would say, come on, why don't you sing it? And I'd be like, well, you know, I can't, that's not really what I'm, what I do. And it wasn't, it was only until I was cast as the Pharaoh at a school productions version of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat, wow. the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. That's a big role. And it was like an Elvis Presley <coughs> character. And it's a really rock and roll song. It is a fantastic track. And of course I had no choice. You know, it was like, I, I have to kind of sing. And lucky enough, it was kind of like in a low register. It wasn't anything too screamy or whatnot, or dare say like Aerosmithy or anything like that. It's, it was kind of Elvis. And I did it. I completely like immersed myself in it. And um, I had a standing ovation. Wow. And that was it. From then on, it was like I had this realization like wow i can fuse these two things together and i and i remember this woman coming up to me afterwards and she just she grabbed me by the shoulders and and shook me around and said a star is born <laughs> and then i was, i was kind of like wow this is this is you know i could get used to this it's it's crazy and then you go into bands yeah you start and the both of you are doing bands as teenagers mm -hmm. and eventually the two of you connect but you were wrapping up other bands you were in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they both kind of did their own course and it got to that age when everyone wants to go to university. Yeah. Stuff like that. And my band went to uni and then your band did the same? Your, yours band had already broken up. Mine was breaking up. Got it. <laughs> so then it was kind of like we connected and started writing songs together and then my band did break up eventually mm. and then we just carried on the two of us. Why didn't you guys go to university? I, I, I actually you did. did. Funny enough, I, I actually did. So the band that I was in before this one, we we did what we call a gap year. Yeah, in, <laughs> in, <laughs> wow, you made that sound way more fancy. Yeah, a gap year. Um, <laughs> uh, and well, it's, people say it like that because a lot of middle class kids, you know, they go to Uganda and yeah. you know they they, they get find themselves experiences. <laughs> it's just a way of you know getting pissed up twenty four seven abroad, basically <laughs> spending daddy's money. Um, <laughs> But we all decided to take a year out and, and kind of pursue the, the band that we were in at the time. And as it got ever closer and closer, you know, you had to start sort of like applying for universities and things like that. And I was working as a cleaner and I, and I carried on pretty much right up until the last point. The band broke up and I had about four or five weeks where I had to basically enroll if I wanted to go to uni. And I thought, right, well, I've been, I've been a cleaner, like cleaning toilets for like, you know, j just over a year. And I was like, you know, if the government can pay me some money to go off and I study, you know, I, I can find another band and, yeah. you know, I can just do that. It's better than cleaning. It, it is. It is. Um, so, so I did go to university. I, 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 I went to study media studies and something else I can't even remember it, I was there for a month I, I got the the student loan the first installment never turned up to a class <laughs> I was just auditioning for different bands in Bristol and um, going out having a great time and uh, very quickly sort of realised oh my god 
um, I, I did go to a few classes and everyone's taking notes <clears throat> and they're talking about these things called essays you know and <laughs> and a year prior to that I had studied three years at performing arts so you don't know these we, things we, we did an essay once a year <laughs> yeah. you know like just to sum up like what we kind of learned it was all physical activity <laughs> yeah. you know so I had no, I was so behind, I was so behind. I was like, I'm really out of my depth here. So I quit. And then literally two weeks after I moved back in my parents, that's when um, I was put in touch with Adam. Wow. And who puts the two of you in touch? Um, it was our was, manager at the time. Yeah. Well, really he wasn't managing either of us at the time, but he, I, I met him when I was like 14. I'd write songs and send them to him. And he would just, you know, like kind of just help me out and say what I needed to do and then um, I just said to him one day on the phone because he's like Adam I think you should go to university and I said I don't want to go I, I want to do music and you know I can't read I, I didn't do music at school so I wasn't going to go to university when I can't read music or anything like that so then I just said do you know any singers and he's like I just found this guy on MySpace how long ago it was <laughs> 10 years ago love it and then uh, yeah and then Luke came up to Derby where I lived and started writing so you knew that music was what you want you didn't try school none of that you knew that this is what you were going to give your life to yeah like when i was like 12 or 13 started my first band and then gigged and did that for and i met Lou when i was 17 so what's your biggest strength is it writing records or is it performing and obviously the musicality of it i don't know <laughs> I think I'm bang average about everything. <laughs> I, I, I definitely would say, like on, across the board, I think I think we're four very lucky individuals. Um, just kind of w when you really think about the, the sheer, I mean, how naive someone has to be, really, to kind of like throw away everything, every smart decision, and and every smart piece of advice that people are trying to give them and say, no, you know, I want to carry on. I mean, the fact that we're here right now is, you know, it's it's a one in a million thing. But that's what it takes, right? It it's does the ability to be solely focused and know what's in your gut, what you're meant to do, no matter what anybody else ends up telling you. Yeah, yeah. I think the strength is like hard work and determination. Doesn't matter how good. <laughs> I am at anything, but I've always just given it everything. And I think we all have. And I think that's what pays dividends in the end. And that, that, that makes sense too, right? You might not be um, incredible or stellar at the beginning, but if you give your all to it, you're mm -hmm. going to get better over time. Yeah. Hopefully. You do, you yeah. do. And like, you, you know, we always said, you make your own luck, really. I think if you put your end of the bargain in, then it's kind of up to the universe what goes on. But as long as you put your 50% in, then you just got to hope that the other 50% comes from the ether and luckily it has so far why is that i mean regardless of what you say i do believe there has to be something special at least between the two of you to, that was able to catalyst all of this because you did together start writing music yeah mm -hmm. that started the struts mm. do you remember the first record the two of you created together yeah yeah that, well there was a, there was quite a few first one was uh maggie there was a song called maggie which was two songs that Luke had written and I was just why don't we just make it into one and we had a <laughs> that's what he's good at <laughs> <laughs> and then we had you did we had one she struts around she struts around and we, we like to write songs about girls there was Delilah Helena as well Helena I mean it was quite funny I think for the the two of us um, as as a songwriter you go through the process 
where you have to write lots of bad things. That's how you learn. You know, it's like that with anything in life. It's like kissing. <laughs> you know, you start out and it's like, oh my God, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> you know, teeth. like the teeth are bashing. And, <laughs> you know, you end up like choking, pulling away too quick and, you know, maybe but staying there too long sometimes not brushing your teeth when you're meant to you know and songwriting's like that it's it, you go through like the motions of okay similar chords all the time and, and it's just you got to keep going and going and going and that's kind of what we did and, and then we had a couple of like good little golden moments that um we we ended up going and recording a fantastic studio in london called air studios and we didn't even have the rest of the band we got a, an actual uh, a group of session players to come in and rehearse with us because oh, wow. we just wanted to get the music down and then that was the the the, the songs that we used to to go around to the record labels and sell yourself yeah and we eventually got signed from that who who was selling you the two of you it was it was me and ads with our manager at the time we would turn up with the cd <laughs> No, and, we played acoustic. And we would play acoustically. We'd both have acoustic guitars, and I'd have, like, a harmonica sometimes. and we'd just sit in people like these executives' offices. Yeah. Sometimes it was great, and then other times, literally, just be like this. Brutal. Are we done? <laughs> yeah? All right, I'm out. But that gets you set up, right? That thickens your skin to literally perform in front of anybody. Yeah, it does. If you can, if you can sing through that and still give a show when somebody's literally judging you and looking at the clock at the same time. Yeah. I think there's something a lot more scary having to stand there in front of someone, like literally one person and in an office, and especially those offices in London, they're like, you know, they're the fish tank ones. <laughs> so like everyone in, everyone in the office is like looking around, like there's these two guys with like funny long hair and like <laughs> silly boots on and, you know, looking like they've been taken out of a 70s fashion catalogue. And, <laughs> and like you, can, you can't hear anything, but you can just see him like in the office and the boss sort of like just shaking his head looking like that looking around you know that's scary yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they could have thought it was an exorcism they could have thought it was anything it was a thousand different things yeah. <laughs> security guards like is everything fine in here like, yeah. <laughs> did you know rock music was the way you wanted to go from the beginning yes yeah yeah that that was something that um, when I was uh, sort of like in my early mid-teens when I started to hear sort of like older rock, like from the 70s, um, like Queen, mm. ACDC, <clears throat> the Rolling Stones and, and obviously like the Beatles and everything that kind of comes with those era, that era, I I sort of found home. What, and then that was it. But what was it? What, was, what made it home? I, it was, it just resonated it was just like wow this is so me it's it's and i think when you think about the music that was out at the time um it was great but it wasn't uh as it wasn't as fun it wasn't as as camp it wasn't as musical i mean it, i mean at the time we had you know there was the strokes here in the states which are a great band but it's very it's you know it's garage kind of punk rocky and there's a lot of attitude and you know, you compare that to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. You know, that's when I would hear songs like that, that's what would resonate with me. And I'd be like, wow, this is this is great. This has kind of got something that my childhood hero, Michael Jackson and the Jacksons had. Mm. 
but it's like in this format which is rock it I guess which I really sort of like is it commercial or is it catchy is I it just, it was just something about the music that I was just like this is this is me and and this is my world and I, I wouldn't even say it was anything to do with the fact that not a lot of other people were listening to it because it, it was actually quite the opposite. All myself and and my friends at the time, we were all music snob junkies. You know, where like we, that's all we would listen to uh, uh, through the sixties, the seventies, and we didn't care about anything really that was happening um, right. contemporary wise. Knowing that, do you understand the battle that you face when you're trying to bring back rock? Yeah, the impossible mission. But but we've been on that mission, like, I've been on it. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, bring back rock, but I I would say playing that and being able to make a living off it and then having what we deem as, like, success. That is, like, the mission. Um and it's it's always been the same since I was 16 it's always been like that and I think it's very exciting now that there's like a bunch of bands kind of coming up which are kind of singing from the same hymn sheet as us and there seems to be like this resurgence in like rock which has a little bit more of a throwback sound I like the term you use right singing from the same hymn sheet when you're creating music now and you're in the studio, whether it was the last album, Young and Dangerous, or the first one, is there, are you conscious and aware while you're making the music to not sound like things that have come before? I, I definitely say we've, we've always made an effort to wear our influences on our sleeve because that's what makes us us you know taking bits of queen taking bits of the stones oasis supergrass anything that we love but we've always felt it's important to inject a little bit more of the 21st century into that so we're not afraid of modern production techniques we're not afraid of synthesizers 808s you know we think that's kind of like what makes things interesting we and we don't want to just regurgitate a genre which everybody's heard before that's not really what people want, right? People want what you are and what you represent and the the, the music of it, but also the live instruments of it. They yeah. want your version. Yeah, it's like if you want to if you want to listen to a band that sounds like Queen, just go and listen to Queen. Or like, you know what I mean? Or like, a cover band. It, yeah, it's there. So like we want to just take, like you say, Luke said, just take the influences and push it in our own way and make it the struts, you know? And we love the, all the new modern stuff that's going out production-wise. It's, it makes it much more interesting and fun yeah it's a challenge right? yeah it's creative and it's like oh let's try that you know instead of just laying it down in you know the it's you know it's kind of good when you're not sure about it yeah <laughs> you know you're kind of like can we get away with that like is this a little bit too much that, that's how you know you're onto something yeah i think so that i mean there's there's been things in the past that you know i love straight away and it's like yes this is fantastic and then 10 months go by and you're listening back and you and and in fact some of the things that you probably weren't 100% comfortable with at the very beginning those are the things that's kind of like grow on you more and and and, and you perceive as, as as a lot more unique um and special and that's 
I don't know. That's what makes the struts the struts, right? It's those moments that you're uncomfortable with the, at the beginning, mm-hmm. but eventually grow on you. Yeah. When you see a, a band like Greta Van Fleet, right? Are they a cautionary tale or are they some form of a motivational tale? I. It's a very perplexing one in in a lot of ways. Like, like I said, we've we've always, um, you know, approached our work uh, to sort of inject new things in into what we do um i i do find it extremely interesting that they've literally sort of like regurgitated you know to a t and very well a certain time and like a, a certain couple of bands yeah. and have, have had huge success very very quickly so in a lot of ways it's confusing but yet it's also inspiring as well it it goes to show that if um if a band on a whole sort of like truly believe that you know what they're doing despite probably what people think it's that determination i I think it's just it's kind of just like it's blind passion yeah and I think it pays off. And and I think that they're probably like a unique band in the sense that it's not being like led by one or two people. You know, that the vision you can clearly see is, is, is led by the four of them. Um, but, you know, on the whole, it's kind of like, I think it's one of those things that time will tell. You know, it, it really is. Right. We, ha- we have no idea. I think it's great for the genre. Um, it's I find it quite funny that we get mentioned alongside them because I, in my opinion, we couldn't be more different. I agree with you, but you represent the music, even your stage show, completely different. Mm. But it's the rock genre, and I think it's so far and few between right now from like a pop standpoint or from like a mainstream standpoint and from any band that has... You know, like Harry Styles, right? He, he, I believe he did a lot for what rock could be in the future, too, with that album, using all live instruments and, and changing the way at least younger kids heard that style of music. Yeah. It's There's just so few of you I, yeah, I get, that I you're get naturally that. looped. And, and, and I think it's actually, it's good. I, I, at the end of the day, I don't ever want to compete with people. I want people to, to love the struts as equally as they love Greta Van Fleet, as equally as they love Imagine Dragons, the 1975, but for different reasons. And and, and I think as long as we're ourselves and, and we carry on just doing what we do, I think that happens, you know? Yeah, you're pretty unique. What do you want people to love you for? Music. Number one? First of all, I mean, it's the music. It's always been about the music. And, and that's one thing that... I think um, as a group, we're, we're very confident um, when we when we think about it. It's like, you know, we, we could be popular for a lot of reasons. Um, but I feel like it's our music and the live show, <clears throat> first and foremost, which has got us here now. And when I think about that, I feel comfortable because I feel like we're doing the right thing. So, yeah, music first and then when they come to see us. You know, which is a completely different experience altogether. How does a record start for you guys? Does it start with a lyric? Does it start with somebody just jamming? How like we can go like body talks, right? The original is great. Then you add Kesha to it, mm-hmm. another <laughs> level. <It's> really <laughs> great record. How does a record like that begin? 
Um, well, there's cer- certain songs sort of like have their own unique way. Some some tracks on the album were literally the four of us sat in a house churning ideas out and ideas out and then we had bad idea bad idea bad idea oh good song really good song bang put that to a side keep going da, da, da. and then there's some other times where me and adam will depending on where we were in the world at that time in between the touring we would just jump into the studio with a producer that we've probably worked with before and we trust <clears throat> and then we just get like a, a rhythm going or Adam's got like a riff or you know there's some sort of like nucleus of an idea and then it just kind of just <clears throat> gets built on um, but I tell you what we work extremely hard I mean there are many times when you're coming up with a track you've got a great verse you do like this brilliant pre-chorus and you're feeling like this is great we never just give up and turn left at the chorus so to speak you know which i feel like a lot of people in rock music do we will literally be pacing up and down for two days straight with the the same eight bars just on repeat until something happens whether it's like a a lyric or just a a a melody which like everyone just turns around and says that that's it that's it what is that why why are you doing that and nobody else is or nobody else was? Why were people giving up at that point? I, you know what? I, I don't know. I think, I think we're lucky that we're, we're pushed. Hmm. Um, I think we, we've, we've got great relationships with you know, some people that we've known for quite a while who have helped nurture our sound. And at times where we, we're kind of like, you know, fatigue kind of sets in. You know, they're, they're the ones stood there going, come on, you can do it. Like, you know, we can do this. And that's what it takes. You know, we can do this. Like, you, you, you've got so much potential. Just just keep just keep pushing and pushing. And um, eventually, eventually it happens. Um, but that's that's well, the one thing we've we've always felt is the most important aspect of any band is is the music. When you guys are in the studio, are you all attached instruments or how are like... Does it ever start with a jam? Like, not not really. The ones in the house did. Yeah. That when we'd write, we'd all be kind of with electric drum kit, and we'd be plugged in. And I'd say probably four or five on the record did. Others would be kind of ideas that would be overdubs. So you might have like a demo part or like a demo drum beat, Got and it. then Geth would come in and sort of play it and give it his own spin on top of that. And from the first album that you release to the second, how has your sound evolved? And like, is there anything you learned from the first that you changed for the second album? I think the the first one has has more immaturity in it. <laughs> funny enough, and it it definitely has a lot of like young strut mentality in it. What it, is that? It's very fearless. That's it. Um, and almost a little bit naive at times, uh, which is great. But I think so much happened between the first album coming over to the United States signing with Interscope going on huge tours yeah Rolling um, Stones yeah The Stones Guns and Roses eventually Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters you know which was all massive learning experiences so by the time it came to 
recording you know the next album you just it i think it just happens subconsciously you just you naturally sort of just want to talk about different things and feel passionate about different things does your strategy change well the first and foremost the, the most important thing that we wanted to do was have an album which we felt was equally as strong as the debut because we were very proud of the first one and i mean over here in the states songs like could have been me and kiss this yeah. really kind of like set the band on fire over here and um we felt like it was a great album and it was kind of like okay what's next and and i think a lot of eyes were on us and we were under a, a massive amount of pressure so we were just like okay whatever it takes i mean it did take a little bit longer than expected but for good reason and i think what we've done with with young and dangerous is not only kind of like meet that criteria but i think we've grown and and i think it's personally a stronger album than mm -hmm. than everybody wants i agree it definitely is Th throughout that journey and you talk about adding having pressure on you having the endorsement of the rolling stones right and in addition to that the person who dressed freddie mercury was doing your fashion at the same time we're talking about two historic iconic i mean i can't stress enough what they've done in music and what they represent when that happens both of those things are you flattered are you why me are you holy crap how do i meet what this what they kind of see in me i think at the time you you don't really think about it and there's like I, I mean the first time we we supported the stones it was quite a while ago um and in all honesty we were i think we were that naive it was like we deserve this you know and we i remember when we found out that when we were when we uh when we got the gig it was two weeks before the show and we were playing this tiny little pub in a place called scunthorpe the lincoln right? imp it was in the lincoln imp right and we were upstairs in what they called the dressing room it was basically like a little bedsit up the top a closet flea infested mattress and <laughs> all sorts and we were we were genuinely contemplating the career and you know what we were doing right you know what were we doing wrong and we got the call like hey this is happening you're going to go to france open up for the rolling stones 75,000 people two weeks don't tell anyone <laughs> and it was you know you have those moments that f up to that point you're playing all those small crappy shows in these tiny little pubs going up and down the country and i think the only thing that really keeps you going is a sense of like you can make it we do deserve it like we put so much effort in so at the time it was like yes we deserve it this is our break <laughs> and and i think looking back now it's it's kind of like a combination of luck and and hard work. I don't think it's I don't think anyone deserves anything, um, and I think it's important to remind yourself that you are lucky, and um, and it's and it's an honor. First and foremost, it's like the amount of emotions that were flying around that show. I mean, we were, we were watching the sound check, and this happens a lot of times when I see my heroes on stage. Three times I've cried. Once was listening to them play Wild Horses and I just started to like quiver 
and then the second time was seeing Paul McCartney on stage. <laughs> And then the third time was here in LA watching Brian Wilson. Ah, uh, he's on his, and he came out again. And I just didn't what even did, plan it. What album did you see Brian Wilson? Was it, it was the the Pet Sounds yeah. uh, anniversary when he, he came to the the theater. I can't remember where. I have goosebumps. Mm. Yeah, so it, it's it's it is a huge honor, and and it's it's quite funny once you see it there in person, and you're thinking that somehow on this amazing journey that, that this band or artist has been on you're this tiny speck in their story if someone was to kind of like look at the history books they'd be like Rolling Stones you know Star de France da, 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 opened up by the struts you know that's us a speck is that's better. what's cool that- <laughs> never thought of it like that it's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> you talk about now knowing that you don't deserve any, knowing that people don't deserve anything so maybe not what do you deserve now but what are you working towards um, what keeps it worth it? The fans, the fans and the shows. Um, I think, I think more than ever, and I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people are, are attracted to um, the, the shows and why they keep coming. Is you know, it's it's extremely hard to to gain commercial success in a in a band. And you know, get get songs played on the radio, which is you know why we're so thankful, and that's why we're here to say thank you to you guys. Um, but it's getting to the point where you need to be able to like play, and um, I think that's what that's what keeps us going. Is there any part of you guys that feel responsibility to keep rock and live instruments on stage moving forward? I don't know. I think there's, there's always going to be bands, I guess, that are doing it regardless. I think the one thing we've always wanted is we want to be like the biggest band in the world. Like that was the thing we said as when we started the band. I think that hunger keeps us going. And I don't think we feel any responsibility, but it would be nice if, you know, our dreams come true and we are um, one of the biggest artists in the world. And we just so happen to play guitars as well on stage, you know. And you keep it's more it- for us rather than for anyone else, really. Like we're doing this because we want to, as a collective, get to where we want to be. I actually remembered your question because when I was talking, I kind of forgot what the f- I was talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what we're working towards is, I would say, is is growing our audience and is, you know, coming back coming back to LA, coming back to New York, coming back to America, wherever it is around the world and, and seeing um, our audience just Grow. double in size, which is what's been happening over the last couple of years. And that's it's exciting. That's yeah. what we're working towards, you know. One thing that baffles me with our audiences is we can have seven-year-olds and 77-year-olds <laughs> and they're all wearing the same merchandise. <laughs> and it's, it's really bizarre looking at it. Very, I can't think of many bands that, that have that mass appeal. Like in a... It's bizarre. We're watching it grow and watching some very strange things going around us, but it's pretty amazing. But that's the music, right? Like the mm-hmm. music is, it's not, the lyrical content isn't intense, it isn't vulgar, it's catchy, it's hooky, it's big. Like it's, it grabs you. I think Body Talks is a hit, man. Like I think the way it jumps out at you and the way it brings you in and the fact that there's real instruments being played, it re- I don't know. It, it Older people, it sparks nostalgia and new people younger kids a lot of times you're you're introducing them to new sounds exactly yeah something Something they never get yeah no i mean i I think the cool thing about that record i mean especially 
um, everything that happened with Kesha. Yeah. Um, I'm just so glad that it ki- it it really happened like naturally. It we- was what was it like her brother or something? So I mean that that's oh, a little yeah. bit that's mm. a little bit after. But uh. we we first met her at a college show that we were both playing at, <laughs> and she was like headlining it, and we were on like a little bit earlier on during the day, and she was already aware of of us and. I remember we had like you know, some conversation in the catering area and she was like really cool and her and Jed like kind of kept in touch for a while and um, after we'd written Body Talks we did say like you know it'd be cool to get some sort of like duet on this album and we were playing around with like all these ideas and Body Talks just seemed to be the one that was like, when you listen to the lyrics, it's like, it's about two people having this connection on the dance floor. That's the way I see it anyway. And, you know, we just basically reached out to her. And the funny thing is, I, I, she then confirmed and was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I flew into LA on a day off (laughs) on, on tour to cut the vocal with her. Because I wanted to be there in the room with her. And you know? I, so you didn't recut your vocal, just came to cut hers? We, so I, we kind of did a little bit of both. I already had my lead there. Uh-huh. And she sat down and she was like, she was like, man, I'm not even going to try and do an impression of her, actually. Um, <laughs> she just said, I, I don't even know the words to this. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, when you asked me, I just... I listened to the first 10 seconds. I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so, you know, we went through the song and then, um, you know, I, I, I sort of like was building like harmonies with her and things like that. And then for the last like hour or so, just before she left, I was like, right, let's, let's set up the mic and me and you were just going to start scatting. And all the stuff that you hear like all the screams yeah. and the laughing, like it's all genuine. It was us having a Mick Jagger, Tina Turner moment. <laughs> go around the mic like, yo, yo, baby. And she's there like, oh, baby. You know, it's, it was it was very fun. That's special stuff, man. Yeah. And it's but it was Kesha. organic. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. It wasn't, it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't like, hey, you know, this could be really good for you and this could be good. And it was nothing to do with that. And actually in hindsight, I think it's, it's, even more um, special considering the journey that she's been on personally, you know, especially for like the last five years. And if you listen to like her last album, she she's like changing and she's reinventing herself. And I, and I think, I mean, I can't speak for her, but maybe one of the things that sort of attracted her to kind of like doing this was kind of like, you know what, it's it's something new. Um, and it's a little bit different. And you know what? I, I'm going to get my teeth into this. And I, I just feel privileged to be a part of like this journey that she's on as she naturally evolves into something bigger and better than what people have known before. A bigger speck on her history. Yes. <laughs> there <we go>. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think the album is phenomenal front to back. I like every song, oh, but Prima you. Donna, like me, is by far my favorite. Oh yeah. yeah. What goes into making a song like that? So we know when you, we talked about pacing around trying to write a chorus yeah. for two days that was the song that took about the three days well it was worth it it's paying off it was really yeah. good there were so many titles flying around the first one was I'm the king 
I'm the king of rock, I'm the king of rock, I'm the king of rock and roll. I vetoed and, that. And like, I, was like, I was like, yeah, man, I can do this. You know, like, if anyone wow. can sing that, I can sing Blind that. Blind confidence. I was, I was like that for about five hours, and then I just sort of went outside, had a cigarette, and, and, and listened to it in my head, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then, um, and then it was, uh, and it, the, the, the thing with that song is, yes, we had everything else apart from the chorus, and then... It was like this. Um, there was a rhyme which was like mm, the honor and the ma- Madonna, pre Madonna. It was like yes, that's it. And then, and then from that, it was like okay, we, we know wanna... what this is about. Like it's about pre Madonna. Let's write about this guy who lives in a small town, in the middle of a countryside in England. He's completely deluded, <laughs> and he's like going into his local pub, kicking the door down in a big furry outfit. He thinks he's the king of rock and roll. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, it was it was me personified in those six hours thinking I could have sang that song, basically into a song. Now, did you guys always envision yourselves playing like this glam rock when you were getting into music? Um, I wouldn't say it was for me. It was more like what minimum talent at the time as a 13 year old kid with a guitar as soon as I kind of had four power chords and I could write a song it was kind of get together with your friends in a garage and but I just always loved playing in a band but it wasn't necessarily glam at the time okay. like as a teen well, how do you join how do you find each other uh, I got a um, I got a Facebook message from their manager <laughs> they've been looking for a drummer for a while um, and I looked at my others folder, and there's this guy that um, I, I had no idea who he was. He was um, he just hits, hits me up Cat and goes, <laughs> "Yeah, because <laughs> do you want to come up to Derby and meet the guys and like audition for this band?" And I was like, "Yeah," because I was at uni. I was like not doing well, so um, yeah, I went up, met the guys. Like the um, the glam rock thing, like the ambition I liked, you know, like because I was in a few bands, but no one seemed to want to do anything big then meeting these guys that were just like they wanted to like own the world yeah be the biggest rock band in the yeah. world <laughs> we deserve to open for Rolling Stones yeah. in front of 80,000 people yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that was our headspace back then <laughs> really when you, say the it, when you say it out loud it's always crazy <laughs> but again like I said that's what gets you through the, 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 the difficult times you're right is a, a tremendous amount of self-belief I mean, when you really think of it, when I look back on some of those times, you know, I kind of cringe, but it is kind of what gets you from A to B to C. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I'm very happy that things have gone the way that they have at the pace that they have. I mean, I can speak for everyone. I, I think sometimes we have been a little bit frustrated that, you know, our rise to, you know, success hasn't been as, as quick as a band like Greta Van Fleet. But then again, I'm not 100% sure that we would have been, or myself personally, would have been able to handle that in the right way. But I think you've had a different rise to success than Greta Van Fleet. And I do think that maybe, and maybe people will attack me for this, but I would love to talk to Greta Van Fleet because I'm a big fan of their music and I appreciate the art they create. I think a lot of the reason that they really rose to the top and a lot of people's you know, attention was due to the fact that they are so heavily inspired, almost down to a T, like you said, by everything that's come before. Whereas with you guys, it's more of a channeling and a collection of different things that have inspired, but it's definitely with your own taste and with your own feeling and your own... There's your own everything. There's something unique to you. The way I've always 
seen it and and this is kind of like why I tell people that the, the the music that we're creating in in some ways is is very unique the band itself is unique i mean the way that we came together and and met is unique um the look is unique and our pathway from where we started to where we're going to where we want to be is also unique unique and unto itself something that you know i doubt will ever kind of be replicated do you do you know how Mick Jagger first heard of you guys or was like, like so when we um when we when we actually uh got Jed and Geth into the band we did like a a small couple of like tours in the UK which would probably be only about a couple of weeks at a time and then one of our songs started getting played in Paris cool despite never being played in the UK and and up still to this day we've never been played in the United Kingdom on major radio what? Paris was suddenly playing the hell out of our songs so we suddenly went over there you know across the channel and you know in our little white van and we were we were playing like you know 800 capacity venues and really cool music festivals and it was like wow this is like happening and we 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 discovered like the power of radio and we we just toured through France for like a year on and off we would go there about three times sometimes and we just started gaining a, a genuine reputation of you know one being like very wild and party animals and yet a great show great music so and <laughs> and uh what i heard was there was a band that was meant to be opening for the stones okay they dropped out two to three weeks before the show and there was obviously a committee saying okay well what are we going to do and someone in that committee had seen us live and was like look there's this band from the uk i think they can handle a big audience you know what do you think and and you know as far as i'm aware mick and mick kind of has to approve everything so i think he he listened to it and, and said yeah let's give it a go That's did, did you guys get to talk to him we did Crazy. so just after you know crying. i almost was crying <laughs> <laughs> so you know and looking back on this like now since you know we've supported them and i've realized like how rare this is and how special it was they they they're doing a sound check which you're not allowed to watch and naively we kind of like stumbled into the empty stadium was just like <laughs> leant up against the wall listening to it and they had the choir um come on for a small section running through you can't always get what you want Anyway, the, the sound check finishes and, and Mick starts walking like this, like towards us, and we're kind of just leant up against the barrier. And he and he just clocks eyes with me, and then comes and walks towards us, and and he knew exactly who we were. That's awesome. Shook our hands, and then just you know, it just started talking to us for like fifteen minutes. Um, you know, and I was just kind of like in my head, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. it's Mick Jagger, it's Mick Jagger. And then he's kind of like, you know, talking about, you know, playing Argentina the week before in the stadium and that, you know, the sound wasn't that good, but, you know, it should be good tonight. And I'm kind of just nodding my head, pretending I know what the hell he's going on about. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. I feel you. You know, I know. I, yeah. Like pretending I know what it's like. We did the Lincoln Inc. two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. We did the Lincoln Inc. Like, yeah. you, know, know like. you know, my mono was so bad that night. Um, it was cool that we played with them two years ago again. And we did, we did like the Disney meet and greet again to like say hello. 
and he just bowls into the ring and goes, hello, struts. And I was like, he remembers us. <laughs> yeah, but again, like when we, we did those shows with them, they, they asked us to come back. You know, and with those big bands, whether it's Guns N' Roses, whether it's uh, the Stones or anyone like that, it's very secured and, and locked down. You know, I mean, just out of pure respect, you just don't go knocking on Keith mm. Richards' door. You no. know what I mean? <laughs> Unless you are Johnny Depp or someone like that, you know, who's who's probably a bona fide celebrity. Um, so, we yeah, we got to sort of like say hello to them and, and thank them for having having us again. But that moment, the initial moment when we first did the show in Paris, that was something which was, you know, very rare. Um, and we've been told is, is quite rare. So super lucky to have that. Wow. Did you guys ever think you'd be sitting in like top 40 pop radio stations in America when you started this? That is what we've always wanted to do. Really? Yeah, that has always uh-huh. been the challenge and the mission that we've kind of set ourselves. I mean, to a lot of people, it's the impossible dream. Um, considering the state of rock, considering um, what a lot of top 40 stations play, you know, which is, you know, I have nothing against that whatsoever. But I I always reminisce and, and celebrate a time, especially in the, in the United Kingdom, where the, the last great age of, of rock music was probably the, the 90s, where, you know, Oasis could have a number one and then the next week... Blur would come back with a number one and and, you know these are chart topping songs and it was the same you know here in the night in the United States but with slightly different sort of like groups and we've always wanted to create music which could compete potentially with the likes of Ed Sheeran um, Taylor Swift I mean you know some people watching this will be thinking you you absolute like you know what what why you would you even it. say that but at the end of the day if you ain't got a goal then what's the point you, you might as well aim as high as you can because you got nothing to lose that's it mm-hmm. and if you keep aiming high you're gonna fall on something that's not yeah, too shabby exactly. underneath. Mm-hmm. you know it's like i mean that's 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 kind of like what we think and and you know that's how we listen to the music when we hear it back when we're deciding the tracks for the album thinking about singles everything like even sometimes the production we're like you know how can we sort of like remain ourselves and 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 communicate everything that it is that we're about but yet have a song that has the potential to to go up there and 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 have it with like these giant pop stars you know well, that brings me to my next question. I was going to say, how did you guys get into the Victoria's Secret fashion show? Because when I think of that, Through I the think- the back door. <laughs> I joke with this band. We've got um, a few Trojan horses. We end up getting into places that are probably way above our pay grade, as it were. Yeah, and, but I mean, one thing that's amazing for us is that, especially when people say, how are you guys not huge on the top 40 stations, but you get opportunities like this. And it is, I think the passion people have for this band and so many people do believe in it mm-hmm. that yeah the the heads of Victoria's Secret can book us alongside Rita Ora and Sean Mendes and think yeah these guys are fantastic I love their passion I'm passionate but it was their... but more importantly you know it was the music you know he heard the songs and you know he he believed in the tracks and that was kind of like when you really think about that that's super important also got to thank Steve Bourbon from Interscope because he was the guy that 
Made the phone call. Made that happen, yeah. You guys got to close out the show, right? We did. You we got did. two songs as well. First, time, songs ever. Songs there. First time ever a band's ever Jeez. had two songs. And the, uh, a man got to wear their wings on the catwalk. Yeah, I, I basically on. forced everyone's opinion to let me wear the wings. Wow. Did you? So, yeah. That's Some of the models were not happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they were like, why are you wearing wings? Like, I, I've got to work so hard for these wings. Yeah, like, so, did in, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did I. Yeah, so did I. So what are the rules on that show? Like, did they just say, go up there, have fun? Were you like allowed to like interact with them? It was, yeah. We were encouraged to, yeah. Really? It was, okay. Yeah, it is very... Um, I wouldn't say it's like choreographed because it really isn't. It's you know they they do kind of let you do your own thing, but you know we 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 had some great kind of like directors who were. I mean, first of all, you you run the show like three or four times, oh, and even on the day you do it twice, and then they kind of take the best bits of of each and then they put it into one single broadcast. Um, but the funny thing is when we were doing the first run through. The models weren't there. They were they they were these standing people that had cardboard signs on saying, you know, Kendall Jenner. Yeah, no, literally, really, yeah. Like that, right. And they didn't Jenner, have any yeah. of the fancy stuff, right? Which is you know the huge, massive bouffant dresses and and all this. So I'm you know I'm getting used to like my in ears because I've never done that before. So that was kind of something that was that was new. You never use in ears? No, no. I, I normally just have monitors. Oh god. But it. for the show, it was like we had to do it like that. So I was like, right, whatever. You know, I'm cool with that. Um, so I'm kind of like doing my thing, getting to like know the stage and then the models, well, the standing girls are kind of like going back and forth anyway. So it comes to the taping of the show and then they walk on and they, they, you know, the catwalk isn't that wide <laughs> at all. It really isn't. When you've got three people, like I'm here and then someone's coming and someone's going You're essentially cramped. and they're wearing these giant dresses. I'm like, I'm like, if I stand <laughs> on one of these skirts and something rips or she falls off like you know we're going to be famous for all the wrong reasons yeah, yeah, you know we're the most famous man in the world <laughs> yeah I mean it would go viral but you know that that is something that kind of like was running through through my head I genuinely didn't sleep the night before because I had to go down the catwalk for my solo oh. and I was like I know I'm going to knock them with my guitar like one of the wings <laughs> And I just, I kept replaying it, well not replay, I was, had it in my head the night before, trying to go to sleep, you know, whacking one of the wings and they fall <laughs> off, and I was like, oh man, so when it came to it, I was literally so scared, and it was, but luckily it was a lot bigger than I remembered in the horrible nightmare, it was shrinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the catwalk was getting thinner and thinner in my horrible dream the night before. But. Man, just imagine you knock Adriana Lima off that stage. I know, yeah. she was great. Way to go. She, was, <laughs> she was so cool, like... Um, for me, it was. I found it like a little bit awkward because I've never been that great with girls. <laughs> I, I and, and even now, um, again, like who I am on stage is kind of like a pretend person. It's mm -hmm. it's something that I can channel like my fantasies, and um, they're like, you know, Luke, just you know, we we need you to, you know, just just interact with them more you know and like be cheeky and stuff like that but there's a fine line be between being cheeky and then a pervy little schoolboy you know where you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, and, and I just didn't you know I'm not um, you know what's his face um, I'm not Adam Levine you know what I mean I'm not there like giving it that kind of like 
you know, the thing that he kind of does and like, you know, just will take a girl and start dancing with them. He's you know? smooth. I feel He's like- very smooth. I, I was kind of, I felt like Austin Powers, you know, <laughs> like a 12 year old Austin Powers, like, you know. Yeah, time. baby. And um, it's very, it's funny thing is once you try to be sexy, that's, that's a very hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you probably would fail miserably. You do. Um, but it was funny. It was fun. It needs to be organic. It does. But, Adriana, she was, that That was, again, that was kind of like, I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Because yeah. for the most part, a lot of them were interacting with me and it was cool. Like, you know, they're as nervous as you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, the they're working their moment. whole lives to that point. And, you know, you, you can see them, they're like shaking, some of them. And sometimes I'd look at them and th- there's this thing where we both know, like we're both doing something which is outrageous and, and huge for, for, for all of us. And um, at the very end, when when uh, Adriana was like dancing and stuff, I was like, "Oh yes, this this is good. Come on, I'll just keep this going, keep this going." She's just like proper going for it, and I I was yeah, we're we're really grateful for for her because I think um, not only was it her her big send off, so it was a very kind of emotional show for everyone that is a fan of her and of course herself, but then giving us like that real time of day so to speak and and uh almost like a little seal of approval she you she was genuinely really enjoying it so i think it came across and it it, it made for a great closing part mm-hmm. of the show the struts we've covered a lot <laughs> i really enjoyed this, this. Great. young and dangerous that is the album that is the, the latest it is out now body talks a record that deserves your time deserves your ear the album deserves your ear are we even focused on more music or are we just going to tour this sucker and let Body Talks rise and We've, see what else comes? We, yeah. we have another single in the works. Not on the album? Which is in on the album, Ooh. which we want to sort of like really like push. Um, but we, we feel that there's a lot to do still with, with Body Talks. And, um, you know, we want to we wanna milk that as much as we can, you know, putting it crudely. Um, because we believe in the song, especially the version with Kesha, so we want as many people to hear it as possible. In terms of new music, I think we're gonna we might do a little bit of writing this year. Cool. But we're gonna be heading out. Um, we're going back to England, doing a tour, doing a bit of Europe, and then coming over here to the states for a couple of uh, shows. Going to Japan, and then we're gonna be doing a Young and Dangerous tour in the United States sort of like through the summer. Nice. Which is sort of being built up as we speak. Why doesn't UK radio play you? What's like, why won't Radio X Radio X would be the one, right? Like, So you got Radio 1 which is kind of like the the big That's the pop station. It's the big one. I mean but it's it's got a lot of But even the commercial stations like like Global Station could play you like Capital or Radio X Radio works completely different in the United Kingdom than it does here here you have like regional radio and everything that comes with that in the United Kingdom it really is Radio 1 and then you have Radio 2 and then you've got like you know an umbrella of like slightly smaller ones but you know in some ways sort of like engage audiences for different reasons yeah, commercial stations yeah um I, yeah but if you're on radio one basically then you, you you're not you, you have to be on radio one to, to get, get everywhere to get anywhere i understand to that. get I think anything ironically our music's but, so quintessentially english 
that the English actually don't. That's why France took off before us. What like France and America and Japan and Australia have I, become bigger markets for us rather than our own country so far. They don't want to be reminded of the reality. Yeah. I, I, I think as well it's... Um, the funny thing is, the truth is actually we, we really have no idea and it's all down to speculation. I I can only go on what we've been told, you know, because... You know, for instance, Radio One has just passed the sixth single that we've give them, given them since we began. So, so that one was too pop, and then the last one, Body Dogs, was too classic rock, and now it's too pop. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's like, what the f do you want? Then? <laughs> do they tell you like we're just not gonna, we're not on this? You, you get to see like a, a radio report uh, that like your plugger will send you, and it would be like, this is great, but my audience won't get it, or like, you know, this is great, I'm gonna add it, whatever. And for the most part, it's just been like a sort of like a, a mixing pot of like either it's it's too retro or my audience won't understand this or um, it's just too different. Um, but it's just uh, w whatever. I, I don't know. But it's just kind of one they of will those things. They, they will eventually. They will eventually. They'll, they'll cave on the 20th time we go in. <laughs> we we, we like, make fine. <laughs> Off or play then. <laughs> our, our mission, basically, since coming to the United States, um, and knowing you know that we have a very small chance at ever organically creating a buzz in the United Kingdom for for radio, has been right. Okay, well, let's go for the jugular vein of of the music industry, which is America, yeah. right? Go big, and let's let's conquer top 40 radio with a song and then because trust me whatever happens here they have oh, to play they down catch there. on mm -hmm. every they, time all the time I, I don't think people realise the amount of influence that America has on the United Kingdom music wise it's way more than what the UK has on us of course yeah definitely and I mean dude I've gone to bat for a lot of amazing records that started in the UK that I thought could be hits here dude little mix I will fight for those records all the time good man I, they're amazing <laughs> and they're smashes yeah. in mm. the UK but like for some reason it, it's just not it's the fire isn't lighting here the way it needs mm. to light mm. it will eventually yeah the same yeah. way Similar you guys story. it's the same I thing mean, what's, what's interesting though is, I mean not to blow too much smoke up our but like we're doing when we do London uh, in a month or two we're doing we've sold out nearly two and a half thousand tickets in London <laughs> and that's without radio so Anything. something's happening but it's just I think the uh, I think sometimes it's it's hard to get a little bit frustrated but then you kind of pat yourself on at the back because there are bands that are being played by Radio One, etc., in the United Kingdom, who who won't be able to sell Shepherd's Bush out. That's the thing; they can't sell as many tickets. <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of like the funny but what is, irony of the whole thing. And you you try to understand that, but you actually really can't, right? You can't. Like you can't. It's a time and a place, and it's. It, I think it's to do with um, so many things. I think it's to do with the people that sit down and listen to the music, like you know what they think maybe of 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 us and and maybe they've they've built some sort of image in their mind um, of, of what we are or what we represent i mean the good news is as far as i'm aware we've got a fantastic um plugger in the united kingdom who you know for what it's worth she's been busting her ass trying to to get something happening and um she's she's determined to bring as many people 
to our show in in London, which I'm super confident if they get off their ass and come and see it, it, at least then they're going to be like, you know what, like that's a great live band, that's a great show, and maybe they'll get it. But even if it's not radio, I know, I understand that you need to be on Radio One to get everything else. But even if it's that like Chris Moylan mother effer who's on Radio X or those other rock stations, I mean, bring them out. They should True. be playing the record. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I mean, they played. They played it. Body Talks once, once. no no Jesus. in love with the camera once at Who? 20 past 10 at night <laughs> they're all they're, they're all on to something they're all <laughs> to be fair to be fair I mean we've had there's there's a there's a magazine called Kerrang who have their own radio station in the United cool. Kingdom who have been really supportive with the magazine and their radio sh- uh, station and Planet Rock as well who again have done great things with us with the magazine and their radio show but yeah like you say like Chris Moyles Radio X yeah. and all that like they're, they're, they're all passing on it like simultaneously it's almost like they're all someone's in on this really like sick yeah. joke which has been going on for like seven years you know? it's one guy yeah like hey 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 I got did, did you hear that strut seal did you yeah, yeah, we pass on it too. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Who was playing you in Paris and in, in France? Was it NRJ? We FM. It was We, we FM. FM. We FM. We is FM. that still a thing? Yeah, it is still. A thing. Yeah, who uh, you know, which we are eternally grateful for. I mean, they. The ironic thing is, we asked them like, "Why did you start playing us?" <laughs> And they were like, we thought you were huge in the UK. No, I think it's the same here, mate, as We should probably not tell you how, yeah. how slow things are yeah. in the UK. And it's it was huge, mate. Seriously. Yeah. We're underplaying every time we come here. That's here. a sick I, joke. I remember, I remember people like, you know, they've, I remember when we first come over to the States, they'd be like, so, you know, guys, the struts. The struts are in the studio. So guys, you conquered the United Kingdom, your hometown, and now you're here. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? what? It's like, no one knows us in the UK. What, you serious? This is okay, Billy. Okay, start again. Okay, Billy on 61, 7.8. <laughs> We're going to start again. Uh, Billy on 61. 61.8. Yeah, prove him wrong. Oh, right? Man. Add that to the list of motivating factors. Oh, f- yeah. One. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. The list goes on. Should be. Not to come in here and sound sour and moan about our home country. I mean, we're grateful for everything, but no, you feel the nah. frustration. You know, no, that's why I we're understand here. Like, we're here because yeah. you guys are showing us support. I mean, that's more than anyone can ask when you're in a band and when you're an artist. I mean, it's great that you know you guys are are are, are feeling something in the music and it resonates with you, and, and that's why we're here. Do you guys ever get offers to have your music in like video games or movies? Because it reminds mm-hmm. me of like playing Tony Hawk when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like a lot of those older games. Yeah, we, we get a lot of um, sports coverage. I was ESPN. thinking that, yeah, like those type of things. Good like, sings. They love it. They love yeah. it. The hockey. Ice hockey. We're on a baseball a game. We've got a lot of um, MLS soccer stuff, which is cool. That makes sense. It reminds me of playing video games growing up, which yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I played. Um, a few movies has been We've in. Had, yeah, we did a version of Ballroom Blitz for the age of 17. The Hayley Steinfeld. Oh, with Hayley Steinfeld, which was, which was actually quite a good movie. It's a good film, that it's was. good, yeah. By the way, I like the fact that you guys do covers. I loved your Hotline Bling mashup. Oh, thank you. It was really cool. Those are risks, not risks, I mean, just creative freedoms that mm. I think maybe some other people who are trying to build a rock band would be like, we're too cool for that. You know what I mean? I, I definitely think we're too cool is, is not a phrase that we use quite a lot. <laughs> um, cool in the struts. 
I mean, they, they don't really go together. No, we, no. we celebrate being being unique, and 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 that goes for our choices as well that we that we make. And you know that that version of Hotline Bling was just something that just happened again very naturally, and it was it was it was basically just having a laugh. And and we were like, well, this is kind of cool, you know. <laughs> should we just do that, you know? And it worked. Well, we we got some more covers actually in in the works that we're gonna sort of like lay down and and put out because. I think we, um, you know, I think for me and Ads as well, one of the earliest things we kind of connected on was was playing covers in the pub down the road from where Adam used to live. And we used to play with all these musicians in the village. And we'd play like the Stones, we'd play ACDC. We, we'd play for like five hours straight. But what you enjoy about covers? I love it? cover bands, by the way. Because you, you get to turn your brain off. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you because it's not your song so it's like <laughs> there's no obligation no here. and it's like anyone in the playing you know there's yeah I don't know it's just it was nice to play in pubs with loads of people that you knew there and you'd have a load of beers and it doesn't really matter if you because no one gives a it's safe they're just there to have a good time it's, it's kind of like it's almost just music in its purest form because that isn't that what everyone does is just imitate to a certain extent mm-hmm. that is what starts anyone you know a kid just doesn't like get given a guitar and then just looks at himself in the mirror and just starts playing you know no he he sees someone like he sees Elvis Presley he sees like a hero and it's like that's what I want to be and then it's kind of like when you're playing the covers it's it's music it almost said it's purest form and it's most sort of like adolescent it's just it's just people just getting together having fun and um, and it's also a good way as well of testing your own material. I mean, if if you can get together in a room and play Jumping Jack Flash um, or Rock and Roll Star by Oasis, if you can get the same feeling when you're playing your own tunes of like that looseness and like it, it feels that natural comfort. and it feels like it's been written before, mm. uh-huh. then you know you're on to something. That's... I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I do understand, you know, comparing it to the beginning, a, adolescent form, you're right. I mean, the opportunity for you to sing songs that maybe sparked inside of you what you're doing today and you get to do it at, at a place in your life where you're, you know, not a kid anymore. You're mm-hmm. a little bit more talented. You know, your skills are refined. Mm. It's sick. It's cool. And it, it's also a great way of bringing people in as well. Like we did a couple of really great shows in Nashville at the end of 2018 and um, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine just turns up <laughs> and is like hey can I can I play Dancing in the Dark with you guys by Bruce Springsteen oh. and we've been doing it on and off on the tour like you know all Dude. the time and we were just like yeah man let's let's do it okay imagine, I can't it imagine insane. them wanting to do one of our songs you know what I mean that would be quite but what I'm saying, I mean that's why it was perfect because it's loose yeah mm-hmm. you know like Adam said it's like it, it it's kind of he came along ran through the chords of us we cu- loosely went through the structure pretty much how it was going to start and how it was going to end it was like right we'll just make up everything else that goes on in between and and he was absolutely fantastic you know starts putting the guitar around his head and <laughs> doing all those signature sounds and and everything but it, it's cool it's one thing the Foo Fighters do very well because Luke went up and was singing Under Pressure with Dave Grohl playing drums Sick. and then Taylor singing Bowie's parts and so they'd do that every night and we did we played four nights at the Roxy in LA and we had who do we have Chad from the Chili Peppers oh, sick. we had uh, Jade 
from my girlfriend. Romex. She came up and sang a cover with us as well. And we <laughs> yeah. just had a bunch of guests. We had Randy Tommy Jackson. Lee. Randy Jackson. Yeah. Randy Jackson. Jackson. It's going to be a yes for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. He literally, what did he do? He was walking off stage after he did a song. And he says to Jay, he's like, he's like is your mic on? And Jed's like, yeah. And he's like, struts, yo. You're <laughs> 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 like, yes, yeah, so we made it. <laughs> It was a pretty uh, mic drop. That happened moment. very quickly as well. How he got involved. <laughs> I think Jade saw him in a lift, and I I went for a bass lesson with him like three years ago. The guy's amazing. Hold on, hold on, and hold on. How did you get find Randy Jackson? So he ends up. We were staying at the same place. Okay. And then I think Jade bumped into him in an elevator, and he still had my number from years ago and gives me a call. Says, oh, I will hear you're playing. And I was like, do you want to jump up with us, mate? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, no, to begin with, didn't he? Well, he was like, like oh, I just want to come watch the show. And then we saw him and he's like, so we're doing this, dog? <laughs> I was like, yeah, we he are. He saw how packed the house was. He's like, this is my <laughs> yeah. chance to come back. Him, yeah. him and Jed, literally, me and Ads did something sort of acoustically. And while we were doing that, the rest of the band were off stage. Jed's going through the song on his phone <laughs> with Randy and Randy's like doing it completely by ear. But he's playing bass as well and I, I play bass so I had to, I'm at the same time telling him which parts we play and I've then got to learn it on guitar to Whoa. then go up and play that at the same time because we didn't want two basses up there. So it was, a, it was a shambles, but it was a lot of fun. Pretty good. <laughs> but it's a, co- a cover he was doing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and that's Bowie. a comfort. You Again, can yeah, do that's that. The thing. Exactly. Like, look, it doesn't matter. Like, it'll, it'll be great. It's Tommy Lee came up, did something. Jeez. From what these crew, that big names fun. you guys bring up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's LA for you, then. That's Sunset yeah. Strip. <laughs> it was good. But, but in the UK, not a single celebrity shows up. No. Uh, <laughs> we got a mate up once, didn't we? Jade from Little Mix, I hear we'll go. True. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if they're lucky. She's in. If yeah. we're lucky, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're saying this about covers that, you know, it can be a bit sloppy, but might, might just be our ethos on it. <laughs> <laughs> People will take it way more seriously. I'm just thinking, like, yeah, the covers, it's fine. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> We've covered a lot. Yeah, we did. Oh, the struts. You are good people. Thanks for bringing your You're energy here and giving, giving us time. It really means Thanks a lot. Thank time. you very Thank much. You. Thank you guys are awesome. L- everybody, you. listen to the Young and Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Worth your ear, body talks. It's a hit record. It feels good, man. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yay. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.